you and encourage you any way that we can. Um, I'm actually going to take today off, and I'm going to have Corey Kilgis come up. Pastor Corey, you've heard me talk a lot about him. He is uh, the pastor of Calvary Trujillo in Peru and also the director of Calvary Bible Institute, where I went last October and taught for a couple weeks. And Corey was here. He was sharing with the uh, young adults on Friday night. His family is here. And we're so blessed, uh, Danielle and his three children. And you're going to get a chance to meet them at the end of service. We're going to bring them up and pray for them as well. But Corey is, uh, God's using him in a mighty way. He's going to share what's going on in South America. We're very blessed to partner with him in the ministry there at the Bible Institute uh, with the church. Um, church planning is something that's really on his heart. And it's exciting to be a part of that. And uh, this church that we get to partner with them. So if you would give a warm welcome to Corey. Good morning, everybody. Um, so blessed to be here in Colorado. I love Colorado. Um, my, I'm here with my family. She's inside. We have three kids, uh, Abigail, Noah, and Sophia. They are almost seven and then just turned five. And then Sophia is about one and a half. Um, so they're inside there, uh, out of the elements a little bit. But um, I'm blessed to be here. I, I love Calvary Chapel Greeley. I love Colorado. I lived in Colorado uh, from the ages of about 19 to 22, somewhere in there. And um, sometimes I don't like to say where I lived because I get this reaction, but I lived in Boulder, Colorado. See, I, I, see, I, heard, the, I heard the laughs. Every time I say that, people say, oh, you know. Um, I love Boulder, though. I really do. Um, I told Jeff, if, if I wasn't living in South America, I'd want to live in Colorado. And I especially uh, love Boulder. Um, I know all of its reputation, but it's a beautiful place and a, and a place that I pray for a lot. But um, I love being here in Calvary Chapel, Greeley, and have gotten to know Jeff over the years. And then, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys noticed Travis's hat, but that's our church's hat. He's, he's, he's representing this morning, so that was really cool. Um, and Luke has been down, and Ashley, and Barbara's been down multiple times. And so we're really blessed. And um, we're back here in the States because when Jeff and Barbara were down last year, and they probably told you, I, I imagine you guys were praying about this, but um, I had some pain in my side, and we went and got some tests, and they found a mass, and they said I had liver cancer, two different doctors, one in Peru and one in the United States. Uh, praise the Lord, after we rushed back to the States and did all of the testing, it was benign. It was not cancer. So uh, praise the Lord. Yeah, it was amazing. It was a bit of a roller coaster. You know, liver cancer is not something that you want to hear or, or talk to your family about. Um, but we're primarily back in the States right now just to get follow-up to make sure everything's good. And I actually had a doctor's appointment last week, and, and it was good. And uh, but I said, Jeff, hey, we're out here for a month. Why, why don't I come out? If you think that would work out? And he said, yeah, great. Come on out. So that's, that's how I'm here. And um, so I love the fellowship. I love being here. But I also just want to express that, that Calvary Chapel Greeley, you guys, this church truly is like a, a ministry partner of what we do in Peru. Um, my wife and I were called uh, to Peru or we were sent to Peru almost nine years ago. So we've been in Peru now closing in on a decade, which is weird to think about for us. All of our children were born in Peru, so our three little, you know, uh, Peruvian kids are inside here. And um, we, our, our heart, really, the reason we became missionaries was because we had a church in California like this church. 
where we were blessed, where they taught the word of God every week. They taught it verse by verse. They taught it chapter by chapter. They loved me. They showed me the grace of God. I, I came to know Jesus. I grew and I was just so blessed. But there's so many places in the world that don't have this blessing. And the Lord called us to go into the world just like he commanded us, you know, the great commission verses at the end of Mark and Matthew and Luke to preach the gospel to all nations and to make disciples of all nations. And that's what we're doing through church planting. And if you study the book of Acts, that's what you'll see. You'll see that they would go out and preach the gospel and they would establish churches that could minister in different areas. And really the, 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 the New Testament biblical model for missions is church planting. And that's what we want to do. So we, uh, we've been on the mission field for uh, almost nine years. We planted um, our church, Calvary Trujillo, almost five years ago. And what happened was, is as we planted the church, some of you guys might be familiar with kind of what's happened to Venezuela in the last five or ten years. It's basically had a collapse. Um, it's become an authoritarian, kind of a communist, something similar to Cuba. And millions of Venezuelans fled because they were starving or they didn't have jobs or they didn't have medicine. It was just a really, really horrible situation. And we had 100,000 Venezuelans come into our city right as we planted the church. And what that ended up happening is our church wasn't really a Peruvian church as much as it was a Peruvian Venezuelan church. And we had people on fire for the Lord who wanted to be trained for ministry, who wanted to lay their lives down and follow him. And that's what turned into our Bible training center, which is Calvary Bible Institute, Peru. And, uh, we started the school full-time, full residential living on campus, and a week later, COVID happened and everything got locked down. So it was a bit crazy, but we continued forward. We never closed. We never stopped. And uh, we graduated our first class at, the, at November of last year, nine amazing students, and we're going to have another graduation in November, and we're getting more and more students now coming from all over. Now we're training uh, young people from, we're going to have from Canada, the United States, Mexico, uh, Colombia. Peru, Venezuela, and Bolivia next semester. And our heart is to disciple them in the word of God, train them for ministry, and then send them out to plant churches where so people can enjoy this blessing and know Jesus and grow in the word of God just like you guys. So that's, that's what we do. And Calvary Chapel Greeley is a huge part of that. I mean, um, you guys, you guys have sent teams. Uh, Jeff has come down and taught. Luke has come down and taught. Um, Really, this church has been there from the beginning, and now one of the things, and I don't know how much information I should give, but one of the things that, that Calvary Chapel Greeley does is they actually support uh, our first Venezuelan pastor. Um, that's, I can't probably can't communicate how special that is to me, but to be able to receive these Venezuelan refugees, to train them, to disciple them, and then to see them raised up and to be called into ministry. So while I'm here, the person in charge, his name is Angel, and he's from Venezuela, and he got radically transformed, him and his wife in our church, and he's now pastoring, and Calvary Chapel Greeley is the main supporter of him and his wife, and it's incredible. It's amazing. So thank you. Calvary Chapel Greeley. Um, God is doing amazing things. Uh, the church has grown. We had uh, about 50 kids in Sunday school last Sunday. We now meet in a 400-person theater. Uh, we've done medical clinics. We've fed up to 200 families a week during the, 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 the pandemic. You know, it was really hard on Venezuelans. And now our heart is just continuing to reach out and train people up. So please be praying. And I just wanted you guys to understand that Calvary Chapel Greeley is a huge, plays a huge part in Jesus reaching 
the lost in South America and making disciples. So it's just an honor for me to be here. So anyways, with that, whenever I come back to the States, I want to share about what the Lord is doing, but I also seek the Lord on, okay, Lord, what have you been doing in my heart? What would you have me share with the body of Christ? And if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open up to Mark chapter four. And, um, you know, it's interesting. We're going to talk about the parable of the soil. So I was doing a little bit of research on Greeley a couple days ago. And now you guys can all correct me later if I'm wrong on my information. But from what I understand, uh, this is like the largest agricultural center east of the Rockies. So this is an agricultural hub. I, I understand that it was started with these really uh, amazing irrigation systems and Greeley was kind of like a, a pioneer on water rights and farming for the whole West. So there's, there's a rich history. Uh, I understand it's, it's a lot more livestock and, I, and, I, and I, I experienced it last night when we got to our hotel, we got out of our car and there was a very distinct smell that made me know I was near a lot of livestock. And... Uh, my, my son was like, what is that smell? And I said, don't worry about it. Just go inside. We're going to be all right, you know. Uh, but there's a lot of livestock around. So um, one of the things I really like, though, is uh, Horace Greeley, who the, name, the city was named after. He was the one who coined the phrase, go west, young man. And some of you guys probably know that, you know. Uh, but it sounds like Greeley has this pioneer spirit. And me being a missionary, I love it. I love it. You know, we went to South America, uh, my wife and I, as, as a young couple, not knowing what we were doing, and we've seen God bless it as we went out in obedience to him and, and on this, this great adventure. So as we think about this parable, and it's, some people know it as the parable of the sower. Uh, I like to call it the parable of the soils. That's another name for it because it's really about the four soils or the four types of heart and how we receive the word of God. But for some of you, maybe who've, who've grown up in Greeley or, or have a history with agriculture, you know, what does it take to have a good harvest? What's necessary? Well, I think, I'm, I'm not a farmer, but uh, my, my great-grandfather was. And I know people, a guy who I consider like a, a, a spiritual father to me, he grew up on a farm in Kansas. And it seems like the number one thing is hard work. You know, you got to get up early and, and get to work. Um, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a consistent approach and it takes, you know, skill and expertise and all of those things. But I think it's the same thing when we talk about God bringing forth spiritual fruit in our lives. When we think about God doing the work that he wants to do, we have to maintain our hearts. We have to guard our hearts. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take a consistent approach. It's going to take discipline. But if we will till the soil of our hearts, then God is going to bring forth an awesome harvest. He's going to bring forth a lot of good fruit. So this parable in chapter four, you know what, before we get started, let's just pray. Father, thank you for this morning. I'm just so blessed to be here in Greeley outside. Uh, you've given us a little bit of cloud cover and just a beautiful, beautiful day, Lord. It is just, we are so blessed to be here, Lord. And I just pray now that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would work through your word and that you would transform our lives this morning. Lord, we come here and I pray that we would be able to surrender, that you would open up our hearts, God. So bless your word this morning and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So this parable 
chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, and it's in some of the other gospels, but we're going to look in Mark 4, 1 through 20. It is the key parable, Jesus says, to understanding the other parables and really to understanding a lot of what God wants to do in our life. You know, it's, it's key to us growing in grace. It's key to us growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And God's desire for each of us is that we would be transformed day by day into the image of his son. But if our heart is not right, that work is going to be impeded. That work is going to be, there's going to be problems with that. But God wants to do a work in our heart and transform our minds and our hearts so that we think the way that he thinks and that we care about the things that he cares about. And guys, we're living, I mean, I know, I know Jeff. Uh, I have him teach the book of Daniel when he comes or something else prophetic because he's got such a good grip on the prophetic aspect of the Bible and mixing with the pastoral heart. So I know that you guys have prophecy updates. I know that this church understands that we're living in the last days, you know, and we are. And we really need to have our hearts in the right place because this world, I mean, the last two years with COVID have been challenging. And it just seems like, like there's more and more control being exercised. There's, there's more and more pressure. And I think that's going to continue until there's a one world government. And it's going to, tempt us and, and, and cause our hearts to get hard. And we need to make sure that our hearts are in the right place so that God can continue to do the work that he wants to do in our lives. So let's read uh, verses one through nine to get started. It says, and again, he began to teach by the sea and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed. And now I want you to try to find these four soils, okay? So we're going to start right here. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. It was superficial. Verse six, but when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But verse eight, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. And he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear. So Jesus here, he's down by the Sea of Galilee in Israel. It's a beautiful place. Uh, some of you guys have probably been there before. I know, I know Pastor Jeff has. And he comes down on the sea, and he's really beginning to become popular at this point. He's becoming very famous. And so he's getting these massive crowds that are gathering to him, hoping for a miracle or hoping that he's going to, you know, give them something to eat or, you know, to hear what he has to say. And so what he does is he actually gets in a little boat and he pushes just offshore and, you know, it's going to give him good acoustics, but it's also going to keep the crowd from like pressing on him and basically crushing him. You know, it, it, I don't know if anybody, any rabbi in Israel had ever taught from a boat before, but it was the right thing, you know, and it was different but he's still preaching the word of God. So Jesus comes down to the boat and he's gonna speak to them in parables. So when, when I say the word parable, what are we talking about? What is a parable? So a parable, uh, it really means to like come alongside and basically it's an illustration or a story that's going to help us understand a specific point 
that God wants to make. It's an illustration that's going to help us understand one specific principle or point that God wants uh, us to, to know. And in, in Hebrew, they use the word mashal for this, and it means a dark, perplexing saying that is meant to stimulate hard thinking. So God uses these parables to help us understand and to get us to think. And that's what I hope will happen here this morning. Okay, so he wants us to think and to meditate on this truth. He wants it to become a part of us. So what, what is the parable? He says, a sower goes out to sow. So there's a sower, there's a seed, and it's the same seed, but there's four different types of soil, right? Did you guys catch that? Okay, so what are the four types of soils that are being talked about here? Well, first you have seeds that fell on the wayside. The idea is a path. And um, I was actually in Israel recently and they have rebuilt the city of Nazareth. It's called Nazareth Village. And it looks like what it would have looked like in the times of Jesus. And it's actually their, their farms were kind of on a hillside, but they had these little paths that would kind of get you around to the different farming areas. And they were these really, really hard, hard paths that people would walk. And if you threw a seed on that path, it was going to be very difficult for it to sink into the earth. It was just going to kind of sit there. And then eventually some kind of bird is going to come by and say, well, I've got free breakfast and it's going to take and eat that seed. So that's the first one. It's the seed that lands on hard ground and it cannot penetrate. And therefore it never takes root. It never grows and it never bears fruit. It's stolen away by the birds. That's, that's number one. Number two, it says the seed falls and there is some good soil but there's just a thin kind of top layer. It's a, it's a superficial amount of soil with rock underneath. So it's, it's actually hard, but on the top, there's kind of this superficial uh, outward appearance of good soil, but there's, there's no depth there. It's, it can't take root. So something springs up quickly, but as soon as sunshine or something difficult comes, that plan is not going to stand. It's going to wither up and it's going to die. That's the second one. The third one is the seed that is sown among soil that maybe it's almost too fertile. And it's not just growing the seed, but there's weeds and there's thorns. And so this good seed, it tries to grow, but it's choked out. These other plants, these other weeds take away from what this seed needs and therefore it's choked out and it never bears fruit and it just kind of remains this little sad plant that doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And that's the third type. And then the fourth type is good soil. And I love that because on good soil, and again, I'm not a farmer, but I understand that, that you know, it says 30, 60, or 100 fold. If they could get 30, it was good. 60 was really great and 100 was like an amazing bumper crop. But... That seed, in some instances, would give 30 and some 60 and some 100, and it was all good. And I like that because when there's good soil, it's going to produce different amounts of fruit at different times. But the important thing is that it's producing some amount of fruit. So those are the four types. The, that, that, the, that's the parable of the sower here. So now Jesus has got you to start thinking, what is he talking about here? Why is he talking about soil and seed and these different types? What could be the meaning? And what, what God wants is for those that really want to know the Lord, that want to do his will, they would be thinking about this and considering this so that it could sink into your hearts. Because look at what it says in verse 10 here. 
But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And that can sound hard, but, but what is being said, basically, you can reference this uh, with the gospel of Matthew. And it's really for those who want to know, because it says right there in verse 10, those around him with the 12. There was a group after he said this parable that pressed in closer and said, what are you trying to say? I want to know what you're trying to communicate to me. I really want to know what it is that you want to say to me personally. They want more of Jesus. In that group who really wants to know, they're going to receive revelation. God's going to do a work in their heart. But the people that are there just for a miracle or, or just for, you know, some bread and some fish, they're going to go, oh, I don't know what he's talking about, but whatever. And they're going to go on about their way. And Jesus actually says in Matthew, to those who, who, who have, more will be given. And to those who don't, even theirs, or those who don't want, even theirs will be taken away. And it's like, he, what he's saying is, I want to, to teach those who want to be taught. But those who are just here for the wrong reasons and don't really have any interest, well, they can just kind of continue on and, and do their thing. So right now, he's kind of separating those who want the blessing and those who want God. He's making a distinction. Um, a lot of people want the blessing, but they don't want the root. They want the good stuff, but they don't want to, Jesus to come in and transform their heart. And that's very common today. And that's where Jesus is making a distinction. He's going to make that distinction. He's going to make that division. And then those who really want him, he's going to take aside and he's going to teach them. and He's going to transform their lives. And I, my heart is this morning that we would all come just like those 12, just like that group that was around him and say, Jesus, I want to know what you're saying to me. I believe that you love me. I believe that your word is true. And I believe that you have a message for me. Lord, so open my heart for what it is. You know, um, so let's continue on. And let's now, the cool thing about this parable is you don't have to guess. Some parables, we kind of are still confused afterwards. It takes a lot of study. Well, this one, Jesus actually breaks it down super clearly for us. And he says, this is what it means, starting in 13. And it says, and he said to them, do, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. We're going to stop right there for a minute. It says, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of the others. If you don't have this right in your heart and your mind, you're going to have a hard time receiving what it is that Jesus wants to say to us in the parables and other parts of his word. But it says right there in 14, the sower sows the word. So the seed is the word of God. It's clear as day right here. We know what's being talked about. Okay. And then it goes on and it says, um, and then it's going to talk about the way that we listen or the way that we receive the word of God. So the soil is our heart. Our, the soil is how we receive. The soil is us. And this parable is about how an individual and how a heart receives and responds to the word of God. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And it is the key to a fruitful life in Jesus Christ. 
a fruitful life, a life that is full of his blessing, and it's, it's full of a, a, it's a fullness in him. It's a life that glorifies Jesus Christ. This parable is the key. So my question for you as we get into this is, how is your heart today? If you did a little quick assessment of your heart, would you say it's soft? Would you say it's hard? Would you say it's a, a mix? I'm guessing most of us are in the mix category. And that's what we're going to look at today. So there's one seed, the word of God, and there are four soils or four types of hearts. And what we need to understand is that our heart as believers can be like any one of these soils in any moment. And it might even have a mix of a few of them. And you might be one type of soil at one point in your life and then something happens and without even really understanding or seeing it, you've switched over to a different type of soil. And so we need to consider this and we need to think about this because even as a believer, I can have a hard heart. I can have a shallow heart. I can have a heart that is all about the cares of this world and material things. And it chokes out what God wants to do in my life. Or I can have a soft heart that is bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. And just because I had a heart that was soft and bearing fruit last week doesn't mean that it's the same today. Or just because I had a heart that was soft and bearing fruit five years ago doesn't mean that that's the same case today. But the great thing is, is we can always repent and turn to the Lord and he will re-break up our heart and make it soft again. So let's get into the four types quickly. Verse 15 says, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and he takes away the word that was sown in their heart. And you remember, the wayside, it's the pathway. If you think about a pathway, it is soil or dirt that gets packed down and trampled over time so that nothing can get in there. Have you ever felt trampled or beaten up? Or like you've just been kind of used and abused to the point where you've gotten kind of hard and, and cynical towards things? I think that's one of my biggest challenges in life and in ministry is going through difficulties and making sure that my heart doesn't get hard because of difficulties, because of being trampled on, because of the, all the different things. Um, I believe fully that my calling is to feed the flock of God and then disciple others and raise up pastors to go plant churches, to be someone who, who helps others do what I've done. Um, I have a great group of young men. Um, I've got, we, we got four different groups that we're praying for to plant churches this year and possibly next. Um, but I went through something really difficult about a year and a half ago and my assistant pastor left and it wasn't good. Um, we ended unfortunately on bad terms and I had never trusted anybody as much as I trusted this man in the ministry. I would have given him the whole ministry. I was considering doing that and going to start something new. And everything went sideways, and I didn't know what was going on, and it ended super poorly, and I didn't sleep for months at, well after. I mean, I slept, but not well. And I just was beating myself up. I, it went bad. He, he, him and his new wife thought we were horrible people, and I just thought, this is not why I'm a pastor. This is not why I do this. I mean, I'm, I am messing up. I have made a mistake, you know, and, it, and, it, and I'm still, I was talking to a pastor just a couple days ago. And he said, you're really sensitive to criticism because you've gone through some difficult things and it's like a part of your heart got taken away. And I was like, gosh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. 
But I have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, please don't let my heart get hard. Because I've got this new group, not even new, just this group of young men who love you and are called, and you have a, 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 a plan for their life. You want to go out and change the world with these men, but I have a hard time trusting these young guys now because I got hurt. I got wounded. I got trampled on. I got called horrible things. And now I'm just, I struggle to trust. Even the guy on hell who's teaching, I'll be honest, I have not ordained him yet because I want to make sure that it's going to be good because I ordained this other guy, I think, too quickly. And now I'm, I'm having to trust the Lord. But my heart has gotten hard because I got trampled on. And this can happen in so many different ways. It can happen in ministry, in life, with family. Maybe you're struggling to forgive. Maybe you're, you're struggling to love your enemy. Uh, I don't know what it is. There's so many instances where you've been wounded and now your heart's hard in that area. And then something comes up in the word of God that talks about forgiveness and it can't even get in because you've been hurt. You've put up your boundaries. This is how I'm going to manage this. I do it this way. This is my way. And I've got my wall here. And I don't care what anybody says or what the word of God says. This is how I do it now because I got hurt so badly. And do you realize what's happened there, right? Your heart has gotten so hard in that area that the word of God no longer can get in and penetrate and do the work that it wants to do. And the, cause, the, the, the reaction or the the fruit of that, what comes out of that is the Lord no longer can do what he wants to do in that area of your life and, it's, and you stop bearing fruit because God's word is no longer having its impact. I don't know most of you, but I just know that everybody goes through difficulties. I've got mine down in Peru. You've got yours here in Greeley. But if you've been trampled on and you've been hurt, I just want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that he can heal you I want you to know that he can make your heart soft again. And I want to ask you to open up your heart to him. And to say, yeah, Lord, I've been hard. I've been, hard, I've been closed off and, and I have been letting the word get in this area. But I want it to. Because I want to bear fruit for your glory. I want to walk in your will and in your ways. But boy, that was really hard. That really hurt me. Will you help me, Lord, and break up my heart? Give me that soft heart again and make me humble again because I want to walk in your ways. And that's the first heart. If, if, if we let our hearts get hard in that first area, and it's not just difficulty, it can also be sin. If you have sin in your life, it says in Hebrews that sin hardens our heart. Do not let hidden sin stay in your heart. It will harden it. You will develop a callus. The more that God talks to you about something and the more you ignore it, what happens is you develop a callus on your heart. And what a callus does is it makes us insensitive. It makes us no longer feel God's uh, pricking of our heart when he wants to speak to us and move us and do something in us. So maybe that's where you are today. But if that's where we are, understand that it's going to, it's going to stop up. You know, I, I speak in Spanish most of the time now, so sometimes I get my words confused. So you have to be patient with me. But it's, what it's going to do is it's going to quench, that's the word, it's going to quench what God wants to do in our lives. And that's the first one. Let's look at the second one, 16 and 17. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, 
immediately stumble. So there's two, two kind of descriptions here. And, and really what it is, it says stony ground. But the idea if, is there was stony ground with kind of this top layer of soil on it. We're talking about superficial, and that's a great word for this, superficial or shallow ground, shallow soil. Someone might receive the word and have an emotional response to it, but they never get to know the Lord in a personal way. They never study his word. They never make their, the promises, their own promises. They never have roots. It's, it's the Christian who likes the benefits, but doesn't want to invest in the word of God and getting to know who Jesus is. We, we can become content just coming Sunday, hearing what the pastor says, and I don't really think about anything else throughout the week regarding my faith and who Jesus is. And I want to tell you that with the way this world is going, that type of faith is not going to be enough. A superficial, emotional faith is not going to be enough because we're in line. I mean, I, I read yesterday, there's a, the, I don't know which evangelical leaders are, but they said we're, going, we're, we're entering into a crisis area for the church. I mean, our world is changing so quickly and so rapidly. Who knows what it's going to look like if the Lord doesn't come back? We're praying that he does. But if the Lord doesn't come back soon, what is this world going to look like in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years? Would we even call America a Christian nation at this point? Well, what's, what's, what's going to be like when a whole other generation that's been raised up in this environment? And, and you know what? To be a Christian no longer is going to be such a happy and fun thing all about retreats and all this. There's going to be a chance. There's going to be a possibility that it's going to be very difficult. And if we don't have roots in Jesus Christ we're not going to last. When something, when the difficulties began to come, we're gonna say, I don't like this and I don't have the roots to withstand it and therefore I'm gone. And that's what it's talking about here, an emotional, superficial faith. And if that's been you, if you've just kind of going through the motions and you haven't put down roots, now is the time to get to know Jesus, to study his word and to know it for yourself so that when the trials and tribulations and the difficulties come and they're gonna come, that you don't get blown away with all of those things. So that's heart number two. Heart number three, 18 and 19. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. This is the Christian, the saved person who's going to heaven, but their life is not going to count for eternity because they have allowed the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things to choke out what God wants to do in our lives. And we're in the land of the plenty. I mean, I, I, I love, I love, I've already said, I love Colorado. I, just driving. So this is going to sound weird to you guys, but I, I, uh, I have to confess something. Uh, we were at the park yesterday trying to figure out what to do. We, did, we had, Jeff gave me an off day. They've re the church really blessed us, wanted us to have a good time as a family. I'm a huge Atlanta Braves fan. So I apologize for what's been happening with the Rockies if you're Rockies fans. But last night, my family and I decided to take our kids to their first baseball game ever. And the Atlanta Braves were in town to play the Rockies. So I went and saw the Rockies last night. It was awesome because the Braves won. No, but you know what, I really, what really hit me? Was the roads. To go to Denver, there was no traffic, and these roads are like 100 feet wide. Like, it is, it, there's just so much space. 
it's incredible. It's just so easy. Where I live in Peru, like everything is so tiny, you can barely fit. If you come down there, we will thoroughly scare you on the roads. But it's so tight. But here in America, we're just so blessed. It's just there's so much of everything. Even the roads here are shocking to somebody who's lived somewhere else. There's just so much. And it's a blessing. And God wants to bless us. He loves us. This is not a sermon against riches at all. If God blesses you, praise the Lord. Use it for him. But you have to be careful because Jesus himself said, we cannot serve two masters. If you make your life about material things and the acquisition and the, and the gathering of wealth, and that's your main focus, you will no longer be putting Jesus first. And we get on this earth and it's all material and it's all about this stuff. And that begins to be our focus and what happens in that person's life. They could be a wonderful person and a wonderful Christian, but all of their time, money, and effort is focused on temporal things that will not last and God has a wonderful plan for your life. He loves you, and he wants to bring forth fruit for eternity. But that will get choked out if we make the material the number one thing. And I just want to read a quote. You may have heard it. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's a reality. Whatever we do in this world, only what we do for Christ will go on for eternity. And that's a scary thought for a lot of us, but I just want to tell you that you can trust God. I want to tell you that he's real. I want to tell you that he's sitting on the throne, that he knows every hair on your head, that he loves you, that he sent his son to die for you, and that he has a plan for your life. And trusting him and putting him first is the best decision that you can make for your life and for the life of your loved ones. Because I have three small children, and the biggest thing that wants me to, to stop being a missionary is how it's going to affect my children. It's the hardest thing for me. I won't, I'll, it's just, I go over it over and over and over again. My son has a cannon right arm and I love football. We do not have a football league in Peru. If I, if I moved to Greeley, we would be in the football league immediately. I love it. But I believe that God has called me. I believe that he has a plan for my life. And I believe, although that is a sacrifice, the best thing I can do for me and my family is put Jesus first and obey him. So Christians, be careful because you can't serve two masters. Don't let this world choke out what God wants to do in your life. And then to close this up, I know time is short, verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100. That good, soft soil. I live in a desert. We get like one or two inches of rain per year. People build with drywall on the outside because we get so little rain. And our climate is in the same category as the Sahara and where the Aborigines live in Australia. We don't have a yard. So I have this dream of like planter boxes. And I'd love to have a little yard with a garden. And I can just picture the soil and planting. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not good at gardening, but I want to plant something. You know, I'd like to have something that I could plant. But I can just imagine that dark rich soil and maybe some fruit trees. I'd love to have like a fig tree or something. It's just such a blessing. It's, it's beautiful and it's delightful and it's, it, you know, to have tomatoes and veggies, it's, it's useful and it's a blessing to us and to others. And that's the type of soil God wants our hearts to be. That dark, rich, soft soil. That humble heart that is soft regarding what God wants to plant in there. 
And when we have that soft, rich soil that receives God's word and lets whatever seed he wants to plant, the whole word of God, whatever he says, when we let it plant and it grows, it turns into something beautiful, it's delightful, it's joyful, it's useful, and it's a blessing to us and it's a blessing to others. And I don't know about you guys, but to close this out, I just want to encourage you to examine your heart and ask God, what's going on in my heart? Have you been hurt? Have you been trampled? Is there some kind of hidden or unrepented sin? Have you just kind of gone through the motions and you never really put down roots and, and sought Jesus for yourself? Or maybe you've allowed the American dream to become your first priority and it's choked out what God wants to do. And I just want you to encourage you that God loves you, that he's just waiting for us to come to him, and that you can do that this morning, and you can be honest, and you can be open. He already knows everything anyways. And he receives us full of mercy and full of grace because Jesus already paid for all of our sins. There's nothing between us and him. We can just come to him and be honest and receive his love and receive his grace and let him minister to us and ask him to just break up our hearts again. Maybe it was in a really good place before, but something's happened and it's gotten hard in a certain area and you just, he just touched it this morning. Just let him come and minister to you right now because he wants to do something amazing in your life. He wants to bear fruit. He wants to bless you and your family. But if our heart are wrong, is wrong, it's going to get in the way of all of this grace that God wants to do in our lives. And that's, that's the word for me as I'm coming out of a hard season, and maybe that's the word for you today too. So let me just pray for you guys. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And I just praise you, Father, that you are faithful even when we are faithless. Lord, we so often fail, and I've had my heart all of these types of soils at one point or the another. And I just thank you that you just wait with open arms, with love in your eyes, and just say, come, son, come, daughter. I love you. I know what you've gone through. I know how hard it's been. But just come back and surrender up one more time and let that love just do its work, Lord. So do that work in us, God. I pray this morning, break up the fallow ground of our hearts. Make us humble, God. Help us because we want to bear fruit for you. We want you to be glorified in our lives. There's so many rivals in our hearts and in our minds, but may we surrender all to you this morning. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.